Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Doctor, thank you for seeing me on such short notice. Well, as Carson would say on Downton Abbey, It is an honor to be of service, milady. That's so weird that you would say that. The reason I'm here is because I've never seen Downton Abbey. I know. Lady Mary is such a bitch, right? I, I don't think you heard me, Doctor. My problem is that I've never seen the show. I, I, I work in public broadcasting. I'm surrounded by fans of the show, but I don't know anything about it, including who this lady... M- Are you even listening to me, Doctor? Kind of. The way you talk isn't very interesting to me. Could you say it more like the Dowager Countess? Of course it would happen to a foreigner. No Englishman would dream of dying in someone else's house. <laughs> You see, this is exactly why I feel left out a lot of the time. Let me ask you this. Do you feel anything like Mr. Bates when Anna won't tell him what Green did to her? Is it too much to ask that you treat me as a real person instead of channeling all my issues through some stupid period costume drama soap opera? You know who you sound like? Who? My dad. He's always putting me down for how much I love Downton. He mocks me. Well, maybe you should ask O'Brien and Thomas, your soap opera friends, why you don't have more patience. As if I would ever be friends with Thomas and O'Brien. They're evil. But Edith, sad, wonderful, complicated Edith, I understand her. Even with a baby, I could really see making a life with her, if she would have me. But my father thinks it's all a big joke. Damn you, Daddy! Damn, damn, damn you, Daddy! (laughs) And you definitely offer mental health services... To other people. Well, as the Dowager Countess says... Okay, that's all. We are not a good fit. That's what Lady Mary told... I gotta run, but today on the show, those of you who do love Downton Abbey will enjoy our visit with Elizabeth McGovern. Later, the amazing indie group Winter Pills offers up a studio concert. And now he has a small role as Daisy's sister, Colin McEnroe. I'm coming out like a babe from the womb, like a baby in the manger. That's me in my room. Wake up, wake up. Bring it on, bring the day, bring the night. I'm ready for the fun. That, of course, is the music of Sadie and the Hotheads. Sadie and the Hotheads are, of course, coming to Hartford on Sunday, Sunday night at Infinity Hall, the beautiful new Infinity Hall. I'm a big Sadie and the Hotheads fan. I was just crazy to get anybody from the band on the show uh, today. And it turns out there's somebody in the band who I guess is well known for other things. I had not been aware of that. So Elizabeth McGovern is joining us right now. She is uh, the lead singer for CD and the Hotheads. Tell us about the band first of all. Tell us uh, how long you've been you've been together. We have been loosely a band since 2007 when we made our first CD. Uh, I say loosely because it's a kind of a stop-start affair, and uh, especially in the first couple of years of our existence, because we all have other jobs and, you know, 
how that is. But in the last two years, we've really cohesed, I think, because we've gotten so many more performing opportunities and we've done two more albums. So it's really gathering momentum in the recent past. But we've known each other for a really long time. <laughs> With the first CD that we made was at the bass player Ron's house and he was living with his mom and dad and she would make us lunch and now he's a grown-up bass player with three kids and uh, you know our lives have really changed a lot and we we've known each other for a really long time um I, i'm very confused what could you possibly be doing that would be more important uh than sadie and the hotheads what other possible <laughs> activity could be taking up your time oh, basically being waited on by a butler in a <laughs> staff of hundreds in a huge castle. Also raising my own kids, I have to say. There hasn't been a dull moment. We'll come uh, back to Downton in just a second here, but um, I know uh, the, new, the new CD is called Still Waiting, which I think may describe the state of people in the United States. I know that it hadn't actually dropped in the U.S. yet. Is it now available as anything other than an import to those of us in, in the United States? As far as I know, it's a mystery that you'll have to experience for yourself if you come down and visit <laughs> us at the Infinity, because as far as I'm aware, it's still unavailable for the average American. It's a, it's a well-kept secret there, so um, you have to come on down and see us live. It's a, this seems like something that Carson would have solved a long time ago. I'd already have <laughs> yes. it. Um, no doubt. <laughs> this has got to be an interesting experience, too. When you tour as Sadie and the Hotheads, sure, there are people who know your music and love your music, but people are going to be packing these auditoriums for another reason. Is it possible to get them off of Downton enough to pay attention to what Sadie and the Hotheads really are? Well, that's the interesting conundrum, and I think it is possible. It takes a little while. I mean, when we first toured the UK, there was a lot of people sitting in the audience with their Downton Abbey books that they wanted to be signed with a very puzzled look on their face when we came out and started to play our music. I have to say that's happening less and less as time goes on. That I think the music is starting to speak for itself in the UK, and um, people who are coming to the show are actually coming for the music, which is what my dream has been. But inevitably, it takes a while, and I, I'm as kind of sympathetic to as it's possible to be to somebody who comes to the show as a Downton Abbey fan and is a little bit shocked because it is quite different to what you'd expect if you're looking for something that would be in Downton Abbey. I mean, it's, a, it's just completely a different world. But generally, we do bring people around, and by the end of the show, they, they all seem to have a smile on their face. So I think it just takes time, you know, for people to either to come to the music or not, as the case may be, but for the music to establish itself as, as an identity separate to the show, because, of course, that's the kind of initial thing that gives us the profile to start with in we, people's minds. We should say you're no dilettante when it comes to music. You were grabbed out of Juilliard to do Ordinary People, right? You were working in music and studying music well, when you well, became an actress. No. no? Um, technically was at Juilliard as an acting student, although mm. it is more famous as a music school. But music is something that I've it's always been a part of my life. It's just only recently that I've 
found the courage and, and really as a reaction to having the opportunity to work with other real musicians that has taken me on this path. But I was at Juilliard as an acting student. We should also say, and, and I had only recently, only a few years ago, understood that the um, Christmas music competition that we see in the movie Love Actually for the, the number one Christmas song of Britain is a real thing. I thought it was just part of the plot of the movie, but this is, in fact, something that happens every year. And you guys are going after that prize, right? Yeah, I have to confess, I don't really understand it myself. I think because... I didn't grow up with it as part of the Christmas culture in my own brain. I'm kind of not very much involved in that side of what we're doing. Somebody just said to me, hey, do you want to record a Christmas song? And I said, sure, I'd love to. And I've always had this total love of the song Little Drummer Boy, and, um, and I wanted to see what this group of people in Sadie and the Hotheads would make of it. So um, I jumped at the idea. And this other kind of Christmas number one thing. I don't really understand, frankly, how that works, but I'm kind of letting people who do understand it do that. And I just had a lot of fun recording the song. All I know about it is that when you win, you have to refuse to go to Elton John's party and spend the night getting drunk with your manager. (laughs) (laughs) That I could do. So you can handle that part of it. I'm ready for that. I'm ready. We have to talk a little bit about the show. And so I think all of us, everybody in the world, including straight men, have on their bucket list kissing George Clooney. But you, in fact, have been able to cross this off of your bucket list. We can give that much away anyway, that George Clooney is in Downton Abbey and that Lady Grantham is able to sample his charms, correct? That is something I cannot deny. All right. (laughs) Was it on your bucket list? I mean, I know you're a happily married woman, but uh, is there anything you want to say about about kissing George Clooney? It wasn't something that I thought about one way or another. Mm. I mean, it was the last thing that I thought I would ever have the opportunity to do, but I didn't say no, did I? (laughs) No, and we'll we'll let all of the rest of that rest in the uh, viewers' imaginations. Now, I know a little bit about what's going to happen this year, but I think there are a lot of people who don't want to know what's going to happen. And so I'm not going to bring up the specifics of the plot line that involves your character. But I think we can say anyway that she gets to act out a little bit more. I mean, she's sort of always been the good person, the peacemaker. Sometimes she's been the victim of somebody else's depredations. So this year, I think we can say anyway, she gets to go in a different direction. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I would. the way I would describe it is you, you kind of get to know who she is a little bit this year, which was, needless to say, a lot of fun for me. You kind of see colors to Cora that has hitherto been, she's kept very quiet about in terms of her own interests and enthusiasms and passions. Um, and so that was fun for me. Because yeah, Lord Grantham, he doesn't ask her enough questions about her enthusiasms and her passions. Exactly. Well, that's always a big mistake for a husband. We won't say anything more about that. I do want to ask you, my sense of this, I mean, I work here in public radio. There's a public TV station in the building. This is like being one of the Beatles at this point. I mean, did you have any idea? You couldn't possibly have had any idea that this TV series, when you signed on, was going to be what it is. And it must feel like these days being one of the Beatles in terms of the amount of, I mean, the the ardor, the passion that fans of the show seem to have. Tell us what that's like. Most of the time, I don't experience it that way. But every now and then, I 
have to confess, there have been moments where it has felt a bit like whatever it must have felt like to have been Ringo's star. And one of those moments was a point when the whole cast was gathered together in New York early on, just as the series was starting to take off. And we all went to see Matthew, a.k.a. Dan, the actor who plays him, in a play in New York. And we almost took over half the theater because we were the entire cast of Downton Abbey upstairs and downstairs in New York for a couple of days of press. And the feeling that we had as we walked into this theater, which was probably filled with Downton Abbey fans anyway to see Dan and his show, was truly heady. And that was one moment where I thought, where I thought oh, my God, what, what have I got myself into? This is, this is unbelievable. So, that, yeah, that, that was shocking because, I mean, it was for me just like any other job you do, which, you know, you, you try to do the best you can, and most of them come and go, and that's the end of it. And why this one has really connected in the way it has is anybody's guess. I just don't know. One thing that is clear, I think, when I read about the show and even listening to you talk right now, you know, there's an old uh, saying about sports teams that don't get along that, you know, there are 25 players and 25 cabs. Everybody goes their separate ways when they're not playing. I get the sense that Downton Abbey cast, you hang out, right? You guys are friends. Michelle Dockery, I think, has even sung with Sadie and the Hotheads. There seems to be a, a lot of esprit de corps on the cast of this show. Yeah, there really is. It's, it just happens to be an incredibly nice, very professional group of people. Also, you know, it's it's very bonding to go through so many years of something that has impacted all our lives. It's undeniable. And that kind of is something you can only share with somebody who is kind of experiencing it with you. I think it sometimes fractures casts when they're in that kind of situation. But I, in the case of the Downton Abbey cast, I really do feel like it's pulled us closer together. It's really nice. And and it's nice to show up at work and just feel a kind of sense of trust and respect and a comfort with your co-workers. I really do appreciate that. It's nice. Elizabeth McGovern, one more question, because I know your time is short and you've been generous to give us the time today. I want to remind people, Sadie and the Hotheads uh, will be performing at the beautiful new Infinity Hall in Hartford. You're going to love this venue, by the way. It's fabulous. Oh, I know. People have said. I can't wait. Yeah, it's really great. So one last question, and this may be my own weirdness as opposed to a common phenomenon, but I don't usually feel this about uh, actors, but you know, I, I saw you in Ordinary People right when it came out, and I feel like... I, I've just watched your career. I had this sort of latent idea that I kind of know you. And, oh. <laughs> and I, th- I don't feel that way about actors and actresses typically, like, like I know them. But I also feel it's a little bit of your gift. I mean, whether it's that character in Ordinary People or Cora, there's some way in which Cora is our window in to Downton Abbey sometimes. She's maybe the person who's the most like us or the most approachable or the person we feel we could know, you know, that if we if we knew her we'd like her. She'd be nice to us. Do you get that from people? People? Am I just one weird oh, guy? No, or, I no? can't tell what a nice thing to say. <laughs> All right. That's really made me feel good. You've made my day. Well, if I can Thank make you. if I can make Elizabeth McGovern's day, then my You've day made my day. My day is made too. All right. So uh, let's do <laughs> anything that we can to help uh, Sadie and the Hotheads. We'll go out with Little Drummer Boy, and, and in the bizarre calculus that results in you winning this prize, uh, I think getting played on a Hartford, Connecticut radio station. Who knows? That could be the thing that tips the scales, and you wind 
end up uh, Good. With, with whatever <laughs> they call them. Me and outside of Elton John's party. Right, exactly. Don't go there. Don't go to that. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> no. us today. It's been a real privilege to talk to you today. Thanks for oh, giving us your the time. Feelings mutual. Thank you. All right, Elizabeth. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, we hope you enjoyed Elizabeth McGovern, and now we're uh, shifting our musical focus. Uh, we have the Winterpills with us. Do you know how long this show has taken to set up? Patrick Scahill was our producer when we first tried to get uh, Winterpills to come on uh, the show. So that was a long, long – we could have booked Lennon and McCartney in the amount of time <laughs> that uh, this has taken. But part of it was we, we wanted – we wanted to wait for uh, a new CD to drop, a new release to drop, and that has happened. So uh, they're in here. Actually, we have – 40% of the band here, right? 40% of the band? Two-fifths? Yeah. My math is bad, but mm. yeah, it's about right. About 40% of the band <laughs> is here. We have, we have Philip Price and Flora <laughs> Reed uh, here. And it's appropriate that you're here because the new release, Echolalia, as I understand it anyway, is, is really kind of a project more heavily focused on the two of you, right? This is a, a CD of covers that, that you guys have done. Yes, quite Correct. so. We did it, just the two of us in our home studio. First of all, it's a really great CD, and so it's good that we waited Thanks. for it because Thank that would you. have been a very bitter thing indeed if you know we waited all this time and then I didn't like the CD. <laughs> but I really do like it. And Impossible. It, it, it reminds me among projects of this kind a little bit of Sean Colvin's uh, Cover Girl CD just in the real nice curation and selection of songs. These are, I guess, from some of your favorite songwriters. You want to talk a little bit about who you covered and, and how you decided that? We split it up between the two of us. I think that the assignment was kind of like, you pick six and I'll pick six. And I don't really have any say over what she picks and vice versa. So if she sings half the songs and I sing the other half. But a bit of a loose criteria picking the songs, but certainly songs, not just songs that we liked because we love all kinds of music. And you also end up playing a lot of covers, songs in one's just your life, just playing them to yourself or it gatherings or occasionally concerts but the criteria is that they had to be transformed somewhat we had to assume some ownership some kind of a different agency in the song when we got it so that also meant that some songs we picked didn't quite make the cut because we were like eh. in at least one case and they're going to play a couple of the songs uh, live here in studio but i'm also going to play a couple of cuts from the cd because just there's some really interesting production uh, that was done here in one case if I have this right, you're basically doing a song by covering a song by an artist that the artist has never done. Right? The Beck song that you do. Let's hear a little bit of that Beck song, actually.
do I have it right? That's from the project he did where he just did the sheet music, basically, That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. song reader project. Yep. So we were asked by um, NPR to just to pick a song or I guess they gave us a few choices. They were doing an interview with Beck and they yeah. wanted to be able to play the music to the listeners and then have Beck respond to what he heard. So we were lucky enough to get chosen. So no pressure, right? Yeah. No, no pressure. pressure at all. <laughs> Beck, Mr. Beck yeah. will be listening and commenting on your performance of his song. Should I dig it out? I mean, we could probably find it. He but did comment he favorably. Liked he liked it. Yeah. Yes, he did. We did a tiny change to the melody. He seemed to like it. That's good. It would have been you know, very dispiriting if he kind of did <laughs> like an Elvis Costello on Linda Ronstadt kind of thing. I think he was open about the whole project enough to where anything was probably good but in his book. You know, you said you didn't uh, just pick songs you like or songwriters that you like. Although just when I, I first got the CD, I just looked on the cover and I saw Sharon Van, Van Etten and Nick Drake and Jules Shear. Those are all three songwriters. I re- I had the first Jules and the Polar Bears oh, uh, yeah. LP on yeah. vinyl. Oh, really? Um, so um, those are all songwriters that I really like. Is there kind of a common thread among a lot of these songwriters, just something about them that you could describe that, that is a common thread that, that makes you like them? It's probably kind of unconscious on my part, but I'm drawn to a certain kind of melodic structure or a certain lyrical opacity, I guess, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to do that myself, you know, which is why I'd be drawn to like Cry Baby Cry, which is one of Lennon's weirder songs and also one he didn't even like or rejected himself. He disclaimed ownership, yeah. I think. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like, that, that's the one I like. <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles song that the Beatles hate, hated, that's the song that you got. When you say lyrical opacity, you mean you really don't like to absolutely know what the song is about. Yeah, I like, to, I like there to be a degree of abstraction, even if you're doing like a straight-ahead love song or some kind of narrative song or storytelling. What about you, Flora? What what makes a songwriter? What what makes you like a songwriter? Yeah, I think that's the that thing that Philip referred to is a little less important to me, though I do appreciate that that type of writing. You also chose Lisa Germano, though. Yeah, but that song, it's uh, you know, it's more about the emotion. I'd say the Sharon Van Etten song and the Lisa Germano song, I, they just make me feel a certain way, and of course that has to do with the lyrics, but. Maybe it's more so the melody and what certain notes I have to sing that just bring me into the song and make me feel a certain way about it. Yes. Well, well, I wanted to do it. You made the mistake of mentioning the Sharon Van Etten song, so rather than have that be an abstraction, let's hear a live Winter Pills in-studio performance of that. Yeah, let's do it. Sister, don't mind that I'm not on time She knows that I'm through with that Sick of trying Don't let my Mama's still alive and daddy's still alive I know that I'm here like that I'm like my me a sign I will now be and I will be fine with that Don't leave me now you might love me back Distance is fine I know you can't care enough and it's 
by Sharon Bennett, and there should be a lot of applause uh, going on here, but I'm the only person sitting in the studio. And if I do it, it'll sound sarcastic, you know, if one person claps. So that will be good. I should say a couple of things. First of all, uh, that we are recording this on a previous day. So when you're listening to it, it's not now. It's some other time. It's not today. It's not today. Uh, So don't call in with a request or something. That will not work. And that also, I mean, we when we bring bands in here, it's because we love them. So, I mean, we don't do it very often. And when you've heard, uh, if you listen to the show a lot, Jill Sobiel, Mike Doty, McLeod Hedero, the Punch Brothers, we bring bands in because we love them. And so we, we did fall in love with Winter Pills and really wanted to have them on. So we're very excited that they're here at the time of the release of Echolalia, this album of covers. I want to actually play another one of the songs from the CD just because I think also some of the choices you made about production were really interesting. So Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to play the the Nick Drake song right now, uh, which is called Time of No Reply. I think at the top of the song, you do some really interesting things, uh, really different from from how Nick Drake would do something. And as you Mm -hmm. said at the beginning, transformation was one of the... Uh, one of the sort of deal makers or breakers for this thing. Could you transform the song in an mm-hmm. interesting way? So let's play uh, uh, some of Time of No Reply. Mm-hmm. 
talking to winter bills right now, uh, specifically uh, Flora Reed and Philip Price. So I'm about to make, keep in mind, I know I really don't know anything about music. I pretend I know, uh, I'm a total poser about music. But I think I hear two things at the beginning of the song. One of them is basically the drums and overall sound of Tomorrow Never Knows uh, mm-hmm. from Revolver. Mm-hmm. And then the bass from Turn, Turn, Turn by the birds. Oh. Because it's boom, 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 boom. It's that descending bass line. And first of all, you can now tell me I'm completely <laughs> wrong. You didn't do that at all. That wasn't. No one's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you say to people when they're wrong. You know? uh, As no doubt, I was kind of thinking of Tomorrow Never Knows to some degree. Just because I, but uh, honestly, I use I used that whole uh, like a kind of a looped drum pattern with the, with clanging cymbals. I use it a lot on my own demo making. Just when I I don't know what the drummer's going to end up doing, so I'll just. But I did really like that sound for this, and the the birds thing I, I did not catch that. It's a good, no, good one. They could know. Good I one. Mean, but it, it makes sense it to does me make now. Sense, yeah. Definitely, I, I, I did want to kind of achieve some kind of psychedelic punk rock thing, you know, with clanging guitars and stuff. I have to give a bit of a shout out to this relatively unknown band from from Southern California called Daisy House who I was listening to a lot when I started recording this. And they are a very throwback band. They're making music right now, but the stuff they're doing sounds like it could have been recorded by Joe Boyd around 1969. <laughs> and um, I was listening to a bunch of them, and I thought, I just I think they got under my skin a bit, and I ended up doing this kind of psychedelic twangy. There's layers of sitars and stuff in there as well. But yes, I was thinking of those things. But to that point, too, I mean, I, I think great songwriting and great production also have a kind of timeless – to the point of Daisy House – have a kind of timeless quality. When, I'm, when I listen to Revolver, I often do it in the company of uh, Steve Metcalf who writes about music for us at uh-huh. org. And Metcalf will inevitably turn to me and say, look, if that was released tomorrow, if Tomorrow Never Knows was released tomorrow or – he sh- he said, or whatever that song is called. <laughs> if that was released tomorrow, as a, by some indie band or something, I mean, you wouldn't think, "Wow, that sounds really throwback." You'd think that sounds pretty much the way music sounds right now. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't sound like it's located in, in a time. Well, that probably means those two songs gave birth to about a million other songs. <laughs> I'll tell you the other thing. I should say uh, a couple of things about the Winterbills <clears throat> about Winterbills, which one of them is that I have uh, two of their songs. The biggest tribute that I can give to anybody. Although I, I know Philip, you had a slightly different interpretation of this, <laughs> is that when I'm going to sleep, I have to hear like the music I like the most. So I'll, I'll drift off into very pleasant dreams. And so, <laughs> two, there's two Winterpill songs on the playlist that is playing every night when I uh, when I fall asleep. And I have another playlist that's called "Sounds Like Simon and Garfunkel" because you know you were saying the thing about how those two songs, those two Beatles songs, spawned a generation, spawned a thousand other songs. I feel as though. Simon and Garfunkel are kind of like that too. That there's so many, so much sound that I hear these days. That's really good songwriting. That sounds like either Simon and Garfunkel or Paul Simon, but more Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you thought about any Simon and Garfunkel songs for Echolalia. Actually, no. But we've yeah. we you know we love Simon and Garfunkel, and I don't think we ever set out to consciously imitate them. However, I would say at the beginning of Winterpill's life, there was such a heavy influence of big cloud of Elliot Smith hanging over us. Mm-hmm. And I do believe Elliot Smith was probably also very influenced by, by Simon and Garfunkel, just in, sonically, 
Mm-hmm. Not not in the pith of what he was writing about, and I don't think we are either, really. But sonically, it's an apostolic succession, though. It's Simon yeah. Garfunkel, Elliot Smith. <laughs> yes, Bills. yeah. It's somehow, yeah, somehow that works. And we get comparisons to both both Simon yes. Garfunkel, Elliot Smith a lot, and yep. it's interesting that we Elliot Smith would have been a natural cover choice, but we felt like some of some, some of it's a little enough. more. I don't know. It's kind of sacred. He has such a yeah. voice. Like I've I've not heard any covers of Elliot Smith songs that I'm like, boy, that really needed to happen. I'm like, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> just go back to the original. You won't say yeah. anything, but yeah, specific. I do think some songwriters write in a way that's a little more universal. It's like you can take it away and uh, and other people can play it. It gets transformed again. Other people are like, there's no one else who can kind of do that. Kind of feel that way about Elliot Smith, although he would probably disagree with me. All right, we're going to take a little break here. Um, so we'll go out with something from the CD. So we did the back, we did uh, the Nick Drake. Uh, so you pick. What cut do you want to play going into this break here? Sure. Yeah, the Mark Mulcahy song. All right, so let's hear uh, a, a little bit uh, of A World Away from this one by Mark Mulcahy. Love and suspension world away from this one Today's show was produced by Katie Tularski and me, Kyone Wolf, with awesome help from Jean Amatruda. Greg Hill tweets for us at WNPR Colin, and the part of Bill Curry was played by Maggie Smith. For show pages, articles, and photos of the Faith Middleton Show staff and their maid outfits, visit our website, WNPR.org. On tomorrow's show, who is that other show about jealousy that I saw you dancing with? And now, back to Colin. That's Learning the Game. That's the Buddy Holly song on Echolalia by Winterpills. We should say something about the fact – I don't think I've said so far that you guys are from Northampton, part of – I mean I feel like there's this rich, nourishing Northampton music scene where all the people I listen to know everybody else. And Actually, I wrote this long – somewhat controversial magazine article back in the 90s about the Neils. So I know that your drummer, Dave Howard, was oh, yeah. Yeah. in the Neils for a while. Is it sort of that way in Northampton? Everybody kind of knows everybody? And Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very incestuous musical scene. Ancestral and incestual. <laughs> <laughs> and is that a good environment for making music and songwriting? You know, I mean, to sort of be... I always think that scenes are really good, you know, that are... No doubt they are. I mean, it's just good to 
have friends, being surrounded by friends who do what you do and uh, support each other. And everyone's pretty good at being fans of each other. Mm -hmm. If you play a, sh a local show, you can pretty well expect a lot of musicians will be there as well. You know, when I wrote the article about the Neils, uh, one of the things that was clear was that every band goes through a period where, you know, they have a van that breaks down a lot <laughs> and they... Uh, the Neils had the show to play a college gig and there was one guy listening to them there and like mm -hmm. he at one point he held up the phone like a pay phone so that some other person could listen to <laughs> oh, and so you go through this period of abasement of trials and tribulations right mm -hmm. uh, and then at a certain point you kind of turn a corner and you know okay things are going to be okay we're not dangling by a, a thread anymore we're for real <laughs> everything is great you're laughing because but uh, wondering when that's so going to happen no, I was going to ask you whether that ha was there sort of a moment you thought oh yeah we're we're winter pills and that's not going away and you know we're for real and people know about us and and things are good <laughs> i would say uh, one turns that corner many times yeah and then you end up back at square one <laughs> right i mean we're celebrating the the 10th anniversary of our first album next year next year so we will have that's a certainly a huge landmark, but we're still, you know, retooling and figuring out yeah, different after, ways to to tour and keep it going. After so. our last album, All My Lovely Goners, which was 2012, the band kind of went a bit fallow for a little while there. There was also a lot of jobs and babies and things that were kind of getting in the way, and we really could not go out on the road much. And that is actually one of the reasons we ended up doing Echo Lele is to kind of bridge the gap to where we, we are now. There's a lot of new material and there's a uh, we have a new bass player and things are shifting in the band toward more ac a lot more activity, I hope. And We've been through it a bunch of times where you turn a corner and you feel like, oh, now we're, we've, now we're at this level. And then you kind of go back to a level and then you bump up a little bit. And then <laughs> I just don't know. It's a hell of a business. What can you say? Well, you did mention new material, and then you uh, subconsciously uh, started to finger your guitar, which means you want to play some new material. Uh, shall, I, shall I introduce yeah, this you, song? I, this is a new song. I am not song. able to introduce this song. So. It's going to be on the next album, which actually is going to, I think, going to come kind of hot on the heels of this one. Uh, we're in the middle of recording it right now. Um, it's called Freeze Your Light. Dream deep. 
Bills with Freezer Light. When you actually said the title of the song, I thought you were saying Freezer Light. And then I thought, <laughs> well, that's a somewhat flimsy concept for a song. But then I thought, no, because there's a lot of questions. Am I still you on? You never know. Am I still on when you close the door? You know? <laughs> See? It's something, you know, if you were a popsicle, I'd still be watching you. Um, actually, I have a song called Freezer Light that's coming out on my new CD, which is also dropping very soon. Right on. Uh, Sweet. <laughs> um, Our lawyers will be in touch. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. That's what I said. Um, we should say something about the fact that, I mean, there may be people listening right now who um, are thinking, well, these winter, winter pills, they're great. So if, you, if people do want to be uh, with the winter pills as much as possible, uh, the, you have w- at least one opportunity in the coming days uh, in Northampton. So, uh, Flora, tell them uh, when. In, first of all, there's, yeah. there's a streaming concert before right. that, right? It's, so explain um, that. We're, we're playing a, a show from our studio via concertwindow.com so you can tune in from anywhere live we'll be taking requests you can type in what you want to hear pay what you want that's, and that's uh, Friday d- December 12th Friday December 12th 8pm Eastern time right? Eastern yes. and then the next night USA um, yeah that's a full band show yeah. on Concert Window and then the next night Philip and I will be at the Parlor Room in Northampton playing with our good friends The Sun Parade 
They're, they have a CD release show. So it's two shows, 7 and 9 o'clock um, the we should, room. We should say that on the day that this is being recorded, they're on their way to New Haven to bar to a concert that you can no longer go to <laughs> unless you can master time and space. Uh, it's possible. It's We're possible. on the verge. Yeah. No, very close. Um, yeah, there's something at Best Buy that you can get right now where I think you can go back two days, but not more than that. <laughs> but uh, it raises the question, I'm assuming when you do concerts, because, I mean, Winter Pills have a long history now, 10 years, people show up and go, oh, I went to a Winter Pills concert and they just they didn't play any Winter Pills songs. They just played like other songwriters. <laughs> like that. Uh, most of your fans are Muppets, by the way. That's why oh. I, I don't know whether you knew that or not. So I assume you're, <laughs> we knew that, yeah. I assume you're mixing in. Your your own actual songs. Yeah, actually, oh, definitely. Yeah. Most it's kind of mostly our stuff, and then we we sprinkle in the covers. It's been uh, exciting to have you here today. Oh, we should it's say, and, and uh, you know, I mean, part of it was you said uh, you wouldn't be on unless we could get Elizabeth McGovern. You <laughs> guys do watch Downton Abbey, right? Yeah, we're, oh, we, we are, watch Downton Abbey. We watched it yeah. all, so. All right, so uh, first of all, you guys need to go to New Haven, and so we're going to say goodbye. No but, big uh, rush, you, no you, big no, rush. Not, not, not a huge <laughs> rush. Long enough time so that uh, you're going to attempt. This is one of the songs that I have on my uh, playlist that I, I may fall asleep while you're playing it, uh, just on a Pavlovian <laughs> basis. I hope, I hope uh, we don't, succeed. Please don't, uh, please don't take that personally if I just slump over. No, we, a number of, well, we like to think of a lot of our songs as just lullabies played really loud. <laughs> But yeah, uh, this one does ask the question to an insomniac that might keep them awake. Are you sleeping? (laughs) We'll edit this because I got a tune. Should we just do like a first chorus of it? Yeah, just whatever. We're just going to get out on it. All right. Okay, here we go. sleeping I thought I saw you breathing I thought I heard you moving Are you dreaming I thought I saw your eyes move underneath your eyelids Cinnamon sun will not rise today It is arms to keep warm on another world I will hover Shadows of you Find the one to love you Were you walking Looking back and talking Trying to keep from falling Were you looking Through the broken ceiling Trying to move your legs inside the dream The cardamom will not rise tonight It is tides to pull down on another world I will hover above you Create shadows of you Find the one to love you
night They have wounded to guide you the world I will hover above you Create shadows of you Find the one to love 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 you